Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Everyone, this is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. By the way, there's leftover Rayos in the kitchen. There, there's some meatballs and some other stuff that I brought from Rayos. You should try this. I left it out there. You should try. It. It's really great there. stuff. Yeah, no, it's really good. Have you been to Rayos? Yeah, you should try this. This is good stuff. And I, I did. And I'm, I'm not. Those deviled eggs are still in the refrigerator. So I'll, I'll be honest. I had one more of those deviled eggs today. <laughs> I'm going down with the ship with these deviled eggs. My cause of death will be seven-day-old deviled eggs. No I thought about, about it. What? Yes, no. I, I looked at them. I was like, maybe I will try one. Yeah. Big shout-out to my Aunt Camille. I got the call from her today or yesterday that uh, her egg salad for the week is ready. So I'm excited to pick up that today. Now, I'm also excited that we have two of my favorite people in studio for one of our midnight panel discussions. It is always an interesting time whenever I get to play mad scientists uh, combining – Different groups of people and uh, from different walks of life and finding out where they land on uh, political issues, social issues, cultural issues. And we have two of my favorites in studio today. Marlena Shivo, a veteran media producer, satirist, social critic and comedian. Hello, Marlena. Hello, Frank. Good to see you. Oh, it's good to see you. Sort of. I'm a little I'm a little miffed about our hiatus between our earlier event and then. This time we're spending together now because I was very hungry and I could not join I, you. For I brought I leftovers. I brought leftovers. It, I don't want to eat at this hour. I wanted to eat at a normal hour, well, but it's okay. You can you can um, it's normal for some people. You can do you can uh, denounce yourself on Friday for me. Fair enough. Talk to Brian Peroni and John McDonough is here. Cab driver, comic, playwright and radio talk show host. Hello there, John. Hello, Frank. I got to pretend it's two in the afternoon, not two in the morning here. Oh, please, man up. Come on. Uh, John, last time you were here, you were promoting a play, your play, mm-hmm. which I still haven't seen, but I, I, it's gotten rave reviews. And then we had John, and we promoted the show and encouraged everybody to come see it. Then New York One did a segment on it, which was great, and, you know, they encouraged people to see it. And then, sure enough, you sold out two or three days. And then I see this big social media thank you to New York One. For what a great job they did promoting the play. I couldn't help but think, oh, well, you know, if only there was an, any other media outlet that also played a role in promoting this play. I, I guess there wasn't. No, I should have mentioned that WABC was first before New York won. Right, but uh, I couldn't help but notice that omission. The only thing is when New York won ran, the show sold out within an hour of the first thing running. And then the whole weekend was gone. See, well, the thing is WABC has listeners all over the country, mm-hmm. not just in the New York area. Right. So that's the, the, that's they, the thing. They weren't getting down to the East Village. Uh, 
that's the thing. Now, uh, Marlena, you and I were together earlier yesterday at a book signing of for Jeremy Murphy's new book, F Off Chloe. What were your impressions of that uh, that book signing? Oh, I, I felt like Jeremy was my spirit animal. I mean, he he and I have the same sense of humor and he definitely has the same perspective and attitude that I have. And I envy his uh, book, and I'm that's I'm, and I congratulate him because it looks awesome. It, it is a great book. It's on, honestly one of the greatest books that uh, that I've read in a long, long time. It's a really, really well done book, and I encourage everybody. And we'll have Jeremy on again next week to uh, to talk about it. But uh, it was a good party too, and it was an open bar, which is nice on Fat Tuesday. Especially. Uh, yes, I mean it's better when you can get maybe a couple tacos with that that we apparently didn't see. I love how there was food at the other side of this party, and we never got to it. That I'm would, still that skeptical would have actually that. like there remedied was, all our issues. There was one woman, um, Shara, the friend of a friend who was at this uh, at this party, who claimed that there was all sorts of very interesting food at this thing. We didn't see any of this food. No, but she saw it and she ate it, and she said it was delicious. Well, I, again, I, I kind of <laughs> think she was pulling our leg uh, because I didn't hear any other reports of food. I'll tell you what they did do at this book party with, uh, that I really liked. I've never seen anything like this. In, when you checked your coat, they had you, instead of getting a ticket and, you know, your number 31, here's your number 31 ticket, bring back the number 31. Don't lose it because if you lose it, then it's going to be disastrous implications. They had you put your phone number in to the coat check and then just t- give them your phone number at the end of the night and then get your coat back. I saw that, and that is very convenient. However, I could see that backfiring as well. Because oh, sure. sure I, saw, I saw how quickly the woman swiped your number, and I could see there being a mix-up there and then being like, I don't know. It's it, But, it, yeah, hey, you got your coat back, so good for you. Yeah, I'm sure my number's been sold to five telemarketers uh, by now. John McDonough, as I mentioned, you are, in addition to being a playwright and a radio talk show host, you are a taxi driver. And you've been on sort of a one-man crusade over the last 18 months, decrying what you've described as New York's new shanty towns, which are the outdoor dining huts. Mm -hmm. It looks like we are getting closer and closer to seeing the idea of outdoor dining in these shanty huts, as you call them, being made permanent. Give me a reaction. Well, I mean, just New York City's on a campaign to make it virtually impossible to make a living as a driver. Mm -hmm. And I I don't – you could be a taxi driver, a FedEx, or delivering around the city. I mean, just driving around today, the amount of bicycles and scooters and up on the sidewalk going down one ways, and then you got the bike lanes, the bus lanes. I mean, New York – now, Manhattan in particular is just one lane uh, almost on every avenue that you can go up and down. And and they're making it virtually impossible for anyone to make a living because I, – I, I totally agree. I was just having this conversation tonight when I had our little hiatus and I was with my friend Sarah. I actually like hopped a curb at one point going downtown to go see her because, like you said, all the lanes are filled up. And then these huts make it impossible. Yeah. If an Uber driver or anybody pulls over to let somebody out – I actually got stuck between a hut and, and an Uber who was inching up slowly. I guess he was waiting for this person to come back out. And it's like I'm getting – I have to look to my left to make sure I'm not going to run over someone on a scooter or a bike. And I have to look to my right to make sure my, my um, rear views don't, like, smash the Uber that's taking up all the space. It's absolutely absurd. And, and nobody pedals bicycles anymore. I see everybody on a bicycle, but nobody's right, pedaling. Right, motorized they're all motor- And they're yeah, going true. like, you know, we have to go below 25 or, or we'll get a ticket. Because of all these cameras are out here. These scooters, they're going 30, 40 miles an hour up and down in these Vespas and everything else. And, the, you know, we're the ones getting the tickets. 
But the people on these e-bikes or whatever they call them these days, and they're going down one ways, and if the traffic's heavy, they go on the sidewalk. And I'm more afraid now walking around New York, not of the traffic, because the traffic can't go anywhere. I mean, you're bumping a bumper. But these bikes, they're going to they're going to kill more people oh, yeah. than cars. But, but uh, no those huts will, too, not just yep. because of the drivers, but the people sitting in them. I wouldn't even want to be in one of them because of all of this confusion. Well, especially now. Why is it necessary that you can dine indoors even now without a vaccine passport? I mean, why can't Almost. why can't I, you just in, dine I, indoors? I, I was in the East Village over the weekend. It was 20 degrees. People were sitting in them. At, at, instead of going into the restaurant, I, I couldn't understand it. Right. Big hats on, gloves, and, and they had a meal in front of well, them. Well, they're free I mean, from COVID, but they're going to catch pneumonia yeah, in, yeah. in one I of these. It's, it's just it's bizarre well, behavior. Did you see SNL do a sketch on this um, over the weekend? How they were they were actually going through uh, like they were at a dinner and they were going through all the conversations that have happened over the past like year and how there's been like. People at odds with each other because of all of their different views about what's going on. And one of the jokes had to, was about how they wouldn't let you dine indoors in the restaurant, but then they made these smaller closed-in restaurants outside right. where everybody piled on top of each other. But I w- will say the only benefit to maybe some of them is that they made them really cute and quaint. And I could see it being, like, fun for uh like for the novelty of it all, but it's it is absolutely not efficient, and they need to get rid of them. Uh, it, it, and it doesn't appear that that's happening anytime soon. It seems like just the the opposite is happening, right? John? I, I, I mean, like you can't make a living in New York. You can't park in New York anymore. Mm-hmm. The spaces they take up, and the city bike spaces. The city bikes should be on the sidewalk if you want to park them. Let them take up space there. But they're literally taking parking spaces around. And now, if you try to go anywhere around Manhattan. It is so difficult to park. I mean, it was always tough, but now it's 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 next to impossible. And even there's hardly any more parking lots left. So you just got to keep moving and moving, and, and then you got to take the subway and hope you don't get pushed onto the tracks. So <laughs> I mean, there's your options. Uh, talking with John McDonough, who, in addition to being a taxi driver, a playwright, and a radio talk show host, also an Army veteran, uh, we'll get his take on what's happening militarily in just a minute. Speaking of parking, though, Marlena, we were at this uh, Jeremy Murphy book party last night and you you parked you found a legal spot that was legal after 6 p.m yes and you almost seemed to refuse to believe that it was legal <laughs> you said oh no no maybe i should move it up 20 or 30 feet i said no we're already 40 minutes late let's just go in and you said no 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 let's move it up so at least i can see where it is <laughs> i said no look at the sign the sign says it's and a legal you, spot <laughs> why were you so neurotic skeptical because of this spot being legal. Because I never trust the spots in New York. I, I lived here for 15 years, and I've definitely gotten hosed before. Plus, you know, the last thing I would ever want is for my car to get towed. Like, it's one thing to get a ticket. Who cares? You pay it. You move on. But, the like, the idea of it getting towed. Now, nowadays, it's probably not as high of a priority for the NYPD but who knows? Um, so I just, that's all. I got a little neurotic about it because I never, but there's always multiple caveats on oh, those signs. You need a law degree. You walk up to the <laughs> sign and you look at, all right, two to three in the morning, they're told, they can't, you got to move it now. You got alternate signs. Well, this one was 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And then it was, you know, and nothing between 11 p.m. and 6. I was, all right, whatever. I'm like, I'm somewhere in, in the window of safe. And you survived. No tow, no ticket, no nothing. Yeah. And I actually found a spot downtown right by my friend's apartment 
I had like the parking gods on my side today, but that is very. You're rare. ahead of the game. You're ahead of the game. Yes, All right, John. Um, you are. Is it fair to say you're on the left politically, or is, is yeah, that accurate? yeah, no, no. I, listen, being on BAI for forty years, you sort of have to lean a little bit left. I mean, if you want to stay on the air, a little bit left would be a nice change <laughs> for that station. But um, so uh, one of the things that uh, Kyle Smith in the New York Post, who is not one of my favorite writers. He uh, did this column uh, a day or two ago, ranting, that's the best description that I can find for it, about the people that he described as uh, pro-Russian stooges on the right and on the left. And on the right, he called out people like uh, Pat Buchanan and Tucker Carlson. On the left, he called out people like Glenn Greenwald and uh, Katrina Vanden Heuvel. I'm guessing that you, as somebody that's on the left, you're not in favor of America ratcheting up sanctions and military action against Russia in this most recent incursion, are you? No. I I, I mean, I I would be coming from the thing about NATO. Like uh, when I was in the army, I was stationed in Germany. I was part of the NATO forces where there was war games all the time. And it was to show the Soviet Union at that time, this is the military might that we have. And people were getting killed. You know, when people hear about uh, we're having war games in Poland, these are big toys. These are tanks. These are deuce and a half. People are jumping out of planes and getting hurt. So while, while we're calling it war games, it's far from war games because you are preparing to do something. And an army always wants to do something. I'll never forget when I got out of basic training at Fort Jackson, South, I wanted to kill somebody. I had just learned for a couple of months how to do it. And I would say, well, this is great training. Let's go somewhere. And then you get stationed in Germany and it's, it starts wearing off. The, the the to go out and kill, but you know I I want to see this all ended, and now with NATO ramping up and Joe Biden, and here's the other thing I can't stand another chicken hawk. You know we we did a lot on Trump, and I do not like Trump. Trump got four deferments to get out of the Vietnam War. Biden got five deferments to get out of the Vietnam War, and he's up. So he's there. a little little more successful than yeah, Trump. but the, nobody investigates. How did he get that? He, he said he had asthma, but he was a lifeguard and, and he was playing football. But, you know, when Trump had it, man, they tracked down that doctor that found the bone spur on his foot and everything. Let's do an investigation on Biden. So uh, are you doing something this weekend opposing military uh, oh, intervention? Now, you brought the, there's going to be an anti-war demonstration at Times Square, 3 o'clock on Saturday. And I'm going to be one of the MCs. And if you see the list of people that are going to – every disgruntled person in the Lower East Side will be making their way to Times Square. And there's about 40 to 50 different groups from Code Pink to everybody against everything. And it's from against NATO, against uh, Ukraine because of their past background, against Russia. So I, I don't know. I'm just going to be introducing How did people. you end up as the MC of this thing? Because of BAI. The I guy see. that was organizing it knows me from the station, and he said, uh, listen, do you want to emcee it? I looked at the list. I said, oh, my God. He goes – and then he goes to me. He goes, listen, each person can only speak for 30 seconds. Right. I, Good I, luck. Are you Are you crazy? 30 seconds. They're going to be denouncing America, Russia, NATO, Europe, uh, you know. So we've got to give them a couple Themselves. of – I can't help yeah. it. This is the kind of thing that I should be emceeing. I would go, but oh, I don't want to go and just be a well, regular person. Well, you used person. to emcee. I saw you downtown. I know. That's what, this is, this is, this is yeah. a tailor-made uh, <laughs> event for me. But I'm not, I don't want to go and just be a regular person. I want to be able to introduce people. Now uh, with everything going on, John, like um, are you – are you? do you feel ramped up to kill somebody again <laughs> between no, the driving I, I, issues? I, I, 
I, and, I've gotten <laughs> over that training, you, you know, but that's what you train for. You're 18 year old. You're a dummy. You're going through all this training, and that's it, it, you know it. It does its job. Mm. But now that I got on with Veterans for Peace, and we're trying to end the wars, and I just want to give my perspective when we talk about the the State of the Union later on about some of the statements that Biden made tonight. I mean, I, I hope some of the stuff he says comes true, but you know, there's a lot of rhetoric. Mm. Uh, Marlena, and we'll we'll get back to the State of the Union in uh, just a minute. I have uh, visited you occasionally on my my wife, Rachel, and I. We make a yearly visit to Cape May, New Jersey, yeah. and we occasionally will pop in and see you. You live at the Jersey Shore as well. But and by will, occasionally, you mean one time. Once, but, but what an occasion it was. <laughs> what an occasion it was. And uh, it was fun. Good time had by all. We had pizza. You guys paid for the pizza. It was win-win. <laughs> so anyway, there was a fascinating story this week about a man Dining at the, a restaurant that I go to every year, the Lobster House, and I've not never gotten anything from the Lobster House other than a very large bill. And um, th- a man found a, an honest-to-God pearl in a clam at the Lobster House in Cape May, New Jersey? Yes, he did. He and his wife were out dining, and he, I guess he ordered uh, clams, and they found a pearl and they're not going to cash it in was basically the gist of that story. They, it was a very rare find, and they, they found out it, they, it might be worth a few thousand dollars, but they decided to keep it for themselves. My goodness. Do you imagine if they swallowed it? I guess it wouldn't really make a difference in the end, right? Well, I mean, well, it maybe makes in its the way end. out. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, why are they keeping it for themselves instead of instead of selling it? Probably memorabilia. I have no uh, idea. I guess that's kind of cool. But I, didn't see a, I didn't see a picture of them with the pearl. Maybe it's like Unmarried with Children. They, they have the man that met Andy Griffith, who's the big tourist attraction in, in one small town. Uh, John, have you ever found a pearl while dining on clams anywhere, whether it's in Cape May, New Jersey, or elsewhere? I probably wouldn't be ordering anything that there would be a pearl in. I'm not a big fan of fish or shellfish or anything like that. Even so though there's unless a chance it was to win something, that's the, or, the fun of it. a piece of chicken or steak. I mean, that, that's the only way I would ever find it. Have a you pearl. ever found a pearl of wisdom in any of your... Uh... Well, in a Chinese <laughs> fortune cookie, I would imagine. Uh, yeah, right? that's some pearl of wisdom. All right, we're going to continue yeah. with uh, John McDonough and Marlena Shiva. If you, have, if you have questions, this is a panel, a very esteemed panel, that probably has answers. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Very pleased to be here with uh, John McDonough. You can hear John McDonough regularly on another radio station. Uh, He's also a taxi driver, a comic, a playwright, and uh, uh, an Army veteran. Marlena Schiavo here as well, a veteran media producer. She's produced for some of the boldest names in the business, um, Bill O'Reilly, Nancy Grace, Al Gore, a host of others. A, she's also a satirist, a social critic, and uh, someone whose musings 
are certainly worth following and uh, who is unabashedly politically incorrect. We are just a few hours removed from President Biden's State of the Union address. And one of the things that uh, President Biden spoke about last night was actually what to do about some of the sick veterans that are in our country. Many of you have been there. I've been in and out of Iraq and Afghanistan over 40 times. These burn pits that incinerate waste, the waste of war, medical and hazards material, jet fuel, and so much more. And they come home, many of the world's fittest and best trained warriors in the world, never the same. Headaches, numbness, dizziness, a cancer that would put them in a flag-draped coffin. I know. One of those, one of those soldiers was my son, Major Bo Biden. I don't know for sure if the burn pit that he lived near, that his hooch was near in Iraq and earlier than that in Kosovo, is the cause of his brain cancer, the disease of so many other troops. But I am committed to find out everything we can. Uh, John McDonough, as uh, the only person in the studio that's uh, served the country in uniform, what was your reaction to what uh, the president said there? Well, as I could say, I've seen this movie before. Agent Orange and veterans have been fighting since the Vietnam War about getting help for the effects of Agent Orange. So now here we are talking about burn pits. And now Biden is directly connected his son to maybe getting the cancer, the brain cancer from these burn pits. But here's one of the problems. And this is what Vets for Peace are fighting with Agent Orange. And they will be fighting about these burn pits is that. They would have you believe we invade these countries and the people that live there are not affected by these burn pits or Agent Orange. So when he's talking about we have to do the best we can for the veterans, he also should be saying, and anybody else that lives in Iraq and Afghanistan should get the same type of help. We are the ones that put these burn pits in there. We are the ones that dropped the bombs with Agent Orange that affected generations of Vietnamese. And now it will be generations of Iraqis, Afghanistan people that – They should be included in whatever's going to go on in Congress because we came up with these brilliant ideas. They talk about environmentalists. They're burning all these hazardous uh, materials, and they're having the Iraqi people living nearby, and they're having the American soldiers nearby, and now they're coming down with the cancers. But you know what? The way our country goes, it'll be 10 to 20 years. People will be dying off, and then there'll be some sort of – legislation that will go through Congress, the burn pits legislation will come through, but it won't help the people in the two countries where the burn pits were. Uh, Marlena, I know you've talked about how you voted for President Biden, but you've been pretty critical of a lot of the things that he's done since uh, since taking office. Did you watch any of the State of the Union? And if you did, what were your impression? I did. I, I watched a, a good portion of it, actually. And um, I, you know, I just think that he he says a lot of things that are contradicting how he even won this election. Like, you know, the Democrats were touting BLM all the way into the election, and now they're talking about funding the police. All of a sudden, now they're going to fund the police. That's crazy. And then um, he talked about women needing to leave their jobs because of um, not being able to uh, afford child care. And it's like, um, wake up. The past couple years... People had to leave their jobs because their kids were home from school and and there was no one there. They needed an adult in the house and not everybody can work from home. 
So that that was didn't even make any sense. Um, and I also felt like um, he, he, you know, he talked about job creations um, and 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 I, you know, I have some news for him, you know, telling people to go back to the office isn't exactly an accomplishment in job creations. It's like a lot of people lost their jobs and a lot of people now people are going back to work or looking for work. And so if there's an uptick in people getting jobs, it's just because there were a whole ton of people that were out of work for a long time. Yeah. And uh, what one issue, which uh, I don't really feel he dealt with adequately at all, was the issue of veteran suicide, which uh, kills a lot more people than uh, than combat does every year. And uh, a group that I have been very pleased to partner with is called the Gold Shield. And whether you're an individual or if you have a business, you can uh, partner with the Gold Shield as well. Their website is thesimpletruth.us. I'm a, they're not an advertiser, but I'm a big, big believer in what they do. And I, I hope you'll check them out, thesimpletruth.us. Uh, so uh, check that out when you can. Now, uh, President Biden had his uh, sort of uh, big statesmanlike moment, the State of the Union, a lot of the local Democratic elected officials have gotten a great deal of criticism for their inconsistencies with respect to COVID protocols. You, Marlena, as a New Jerseyan, have been very, very critical of your governor, Phil Murphy. Now, we're seeing the mask mandates are going to be lifted in New York. We're mm-hmm. seeing uh, you're not going to need a vaccine to go into a restaurant or something. New Jersey doesn't seem far behind. I would think you, of all people, should be the most ecstatic person there is. <laughs> I know. Well, I, I guess I guess my issue is, is that I don't really trust any of it. And I said that when he announced that he was lifting the masks because he announced it so far in advance and said, it, you know, March 7th was the target date. And it was very like black and white. But then he kind of rolled back what he said about a week later, which I said he was going to do. At first, I thought it was going to be about a variant. But he basically wants to put in like into policy and in, into the language of this policy a sort of kill switch so he can take the power from the districts um, whenever he pleases and reinstate the mask mandate if, quote, need be, which I don't trust that. Um, I don't trust what they're all doing right now. I definitely think it's um, they're just trying to make themselves look better for the midterms um, and it's not going to work out for them whatsoever. And I don't like the idea of them talking about data as being the barometer for this and the CDC, because then, then what is this? Is, is this the new normal? And I hate that term, but is that what we're going to do now? We're just going to look at charts and say, "Oh, wait, it's time for masks again." I'm not doing this with my kids. Now, he was the first to announce it. He's sticking to March seventh, okay, because he wants people to the schools to prepare for this unmasking event. Right? As you if, wouldn't as think if, there's much to prepare for. Yeah, it's, it's you don't have to wear a mask. You just have to take your mask off if you if you choose to that is bizarre to me but also what's the difference between today which is march 2nd and march 7th what's going to change it kind of reminds me of like the smoking and non-smoking in restaurants back in the day there's absolutely no difference between the two right like so i and now connecticut and new york announced they're taking off their masks and days later their masks are off he announces it a month ago and he's sticking like he, we're, we are still. So why is he doing that? What, 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 three days. Is it just out of stubbornness, or do you think they? I mean, well, his response because people did ask him. Now that New York and, and and Connecticut are you know going maskless, you know, are you going to up the date? He said he's sticking to it so that the schools can prepare for the new um, like maskless and you know mask optional school 
school day. But I'm like, there's nothing to prepare for. I think he's just biding his time because he wants to get this policy in place where he has the power to reinstate the mask. Uh, John McDonough, as a taxi driver, how much preparation do you need to do <laughs> to have people not I, wear their masks uh, while you drive them? Listen, it's human nature, and it's with Murphy and uh, Cuomo now at his commercial, but uh, that you don't want to admit you were wrong. And and I think that plays a lot a large part in it that uh, none of these politicians want to admit that maybe we got some of this wrong because I've never heard anyone uh, say that. But listen, as a cab driver, I, I live in Queens, not that far from Elmhurst Hospital. I, I I had the fear of God putting me with all the the, the freezers uh, being put out there and the bodies being put in. And you know, I was first online at the VA hospital getting my vaccinations and getting the booster. And then I, I still got the, the, the virus. But then they told you, well, that's good. Now you got the antibodies. So, I, I mean, you know, I'm still looking over my shoulder because, you know, I'm getting older and I, I, I can't really afford to be getting these viruses that are going around. Well, that leads to a very public confrontation that we're seeing from two very prominent doctors, uh, probably two of the most famous doctors in the country right now. Dr. Oz, Dr. Mehmet Oz, who's running for U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania, and Dr. Anthony Fauci, who is now, I think, serving his ninth presidential administration or something along those lines. Um, what exactly is the dispute, Marlena, between Dr. Oz and Dr. Fauci? Well, well Dr. Oz blatantly came out um, in on social media saying that Dr. Fauci was wrong, period. He was wrong about COVID, and he wants to debate him. Um, he said it in January. Then he said it again in, in February that he wants to do a, a debate doctor to doctor about covid. And he basically wants to hammer him about covid. Um, but oddly enough, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Frank or John, um, have you seen Dr. Fauci in the media much lately? He seems to be cutting a much lower profile these days. And I actually did a search because I feel like I haven't seen mm-hmm. him. Not that I miss him at all. Uh, but he. No, you and don't see him on the Sunday shows. He used to be every week. That was like his job. Oh, yeah. And now I think the last appearance was maybe maybe about a month ago at this point, maybe a little less, maybe three weeks ago, which is so odd and interesting at the same time, all surrounding the CDC's updated uh, guidance and everything, you know, being relaxed and the midterms. I just feel like it's very orchestrated, but that could be very conspiracy theorist of Oh, well, we're all for conspiracy theories uh, <laughs> during the overnight hours. What about it, John? Do you see anything to this um, weekend at Fauci's theory? No, the, he's just not being asked on the shows. It's not as if he uh, promotes himself and goes into these. The, the, whoever's booking these shows are just not booking him now at the moment. Now, they, they might be changing their policy. I don't think Fauci's changing his if he was asked, he'd be running to go on these Sunday shows. But if he's not on them, it's not as if, uh, you know, he doesn't want to be on it. So you got the bookers on that. I'm, I'm more worried about, like, the, this Dr. Oz. Now, I knew Trump from page six here in New York. I had never watched The Apprentice. And that's where he really made his name. And, and I hate the thought of reality show guys getting into politics. Now you're going to have this Dr. Oz. I don't even know what show he's on. I hear him every once in a while because I, I don't watch a lot of these reality shows. And now he's going to be what? The next senator of Pennsylvania, governor, or the, then maybe he'll be the next president. Well, it's and, funny that you mentioned that, right? So we're looking at what's happening in Ukraine now, right? And we see the mayor of Kiev was a heavyweight championship boxer, uh, Klitschko, and the president of Ukraine was a comedian and an actor who was on Dancing with the Stars and who played 
a, uh, a president on television, you can't help but think now as they're being pummeled with missiles and so forth, maybe they should have picked somebody other than a comedian, maybe a general or somebody that had some experience in diplomacy or foreign relations hmm. or doing something other than we'll being get, on we'll Dancing with the Stars. we get a new reality stars. show, Dancing with the Bombs from the Ukraine. Well, exactly. <laughs> That'll be the next show. Exactly. Uh, Marlena, we're also seeing um, a very interesting story about the 20 most common passwords that have been leaked on the uh, dark web. Now, I use the same password for everything unless I have to just use numbers. Then I use another password just for that. Unless I have to use one that includes both numbers and letters, then I use I have another password that I use for that. Unless there's a, a password that has to use numbers, letters, and non-alphanumeric digits, then I have another password that I use just for that. Apparently, we now know the most common passwords thanks to this, uh, this, this, the work of these hackers on the dark web. I mean, yeah, and and they're very repetitive. Uh, the first one being one two three four five six. That's, oh, that's like, a good one. Yeah, that, right. <laughs> for a while, I was using A B one two three four five six capital A lowercase B one two three four five six. Um, and then this other one, QWERTY, which I was like, what is that? And if you look on the keyboard, it's just you're going across the top right, of the top keyboard. Right. Five. I, I, my my sister-in-law's cat is named QWERTY. He was just uh, – we watched him one week. He was a terrible cat to watch. Terrible. What? Wait, how did they name him QWERTY? I, I, I don't know. Maybe that was their – anyway. Then then you've got things like default and, um, you know, password, this other like – uh, very scary one six 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 whatever. Um, this is great. They can hack. I don't understand number fourteen though. It's just zero. Like what p- password can be one character? Yeah, no, that no, no. that doesn't Unless make any sense. Unless they spell it out. Um, no, but it's just the, the, the number the number zero. Okay, fine. But this is the thing. All right, the, the, they hacked into all of these, and they're the, they're the top twenty. I can't hack into my own YouTube account at this point. It's not mine. It's actually one I set up for my daughter, and it's very long and windy and complicated, but I'll just say this. I have been on the phone with Google because um, it's a Gmail account that's connected to it and whatever. I th- They will not let me into this account. I'm like, I do not remember the password for the secondary handle that I created for this account I thought I did, and they're like put in the last password. How many passwords I've had? So this, I really like to talk to one of these hackers because Google cannot help me Uh, get into my own account, and I would like one of these people to actually help me. It's interesting. My my drunken friend Imran, who I took to an ATM machine (laughs) to try and get cash so he could pay the bill at Rayo's that he ran up at the bar, he kept giving me his four-digit PIN number, and it turned out to continually be inaccurate, and that's why I had to use my ATM card. But it was very frustrating. Not only did I have to deduct 100 or $200 from my own account, but then I had to pay that 99-cent ATM fee, which I just hate, and I'm hoping he will reimburse me today once he uh, sobers up a bit. But what's, what's Fat Tuesday for if it's not for making poor decisions? Uh, John, what about you? What are your passwords that you I, use? on I, everything? I don't know. And I dread any time it pops up putting your password. And then they say if you don't get it within, 
It's almost like Wordle. If you don't get it within the first six tries, <laughs> you're gone for 24 hours. They said, do not reapply because you, you, we've now locked your account. And, like, I, I do dread it. If you lose your phone or your laptop and they said, well, now you got to reenter every time, I, I, I just freak out and then you got to get started. And this is one reason why you have kids. Your car mine will be the guy. They'll be going, all right, Dad, what, what is it, Facebook? Okay, here it is. I just got you back online. So that's that's one uh, reason for having kids. Well, they, they he, he should that. focus on trying to sleep for more than an hour and a half at a time, so that his his <laughs> mother his mother is in a better mood when I get home. That's uh, <laughs> that's what he should be working on. All right, we're going to continue with uh, Marlena Shivo and John McDonough in just a minute. We will take a few of your calls at eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. A wide variety of subjects that we're going to cover in the course of the next twenty one minutes. We're just getting started. This is the other side of midnight. Straight ahead, the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. 77 WABC. This is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. I tell you, you've not lived until you've been to Rayo's, walked out with someone who didn't pay their bill with the assurance to the staff there, who can be quite intimidating, that you're going to come back and then come back after they've closed. But there's still six guys that work there waiting outside the restaurant. That was precisely my experience uh, last night. If you want to see that image, you can do so on my Instagram page, at Morano Vision. That's M-O-R-A-N-O Vision. See, the, I, I do lead a pretty interesting life, I have to say. And the only way to see all the photos of everything I'm doing is to follow me on all forms of social media. If you follow me on Facebook, for instance, you'll see the event I was at for Jeremy Murphy's book party with the... Uh, uh, Lauren Conlin and Marlena Shivo and Rita Cosby. Follow me there, facebook.com slash MoranoFan. If you follow me on Twitter, at Frank Morano, you'll see me with Rudy Giuliani and Andrew Giuliani. And if you follow me on uh, Instagram, at MoranoVision, you will see this uh, scene at Rayo's. Big shout-out to Brian Peroni for inviting me to uh, be my, uh, you know, be a schnorrer at uh, Rayo's today. And he put paid, which was even nicer of him. Now, we are talking with... John McDonough and uh, Marlena Shivo about a wide variety of uh, subjects. We'll take your calls in just a minute. Uh, Marlena, before we get there, though, there is uh, an interesting story that I think many of our listeners may not be up on, and it has to do with a pizza-making <laughs> vending machine. Yeah. Now, you talk about something which should have come out 20, 30, 40 years ago. I mean, this has got to be like a, a dream come true. For whom? See, that's the thing. I, I don't really want a vending machine mm. making my pizza in three minutes, although this particular vending machine um, was invented and is now being um, pre-ordered by all different brands of pizza uh, companies um, because, you know, this is going to be obviously a hot item on campuses for sure, I would imagine. And probably they, they eat anything on campus. Domino's they eat on there. Yeah, I mean, you eat Domino's. No, I do right? not. I have no, I have no, I do not eat Domino's. You would. No, I would not. Why would you say such if, a thing? If you were drinking and Domino's was the only 
thing that you, that was available to you, would you eat Domino's or would you just starve? If I was in an airplane crash and without food for eight days, I'd eat my best friend who was dead as well. But you won't. You don't see me ordering him up at a diner anywhere. Okay, simmer down. All right. So anyway, so, so would you eat pizza out of a vending machine? No, and I think this is heresy. Um, particularly anybody who lives in New York. Uh, I went to one of Colin Quinn's plays, and it, it and he brought up a point that it only happens in New York. When you go into a pizzeria, you stare at the pizza to see which is the freshest. And when the guy goes to pull, you go, no, 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 I, I want the other slice. Or if you're ordering Sicilian and he's trying to get you maybe yesterday's slice that he has stuck in with the Sicilian. <laughs> and New Yorkers are, are famous for doing this. No, 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 I want a corner. And I want the fresh one. Well, give me a middle slice. You don't get that anywhere else in the country where the person goes in and picks the slice they want. You usually just say, uh, give me a slice, wherever, whatever, you're Boston or California. They just give you a slice. But in New York, you eye up every Oh, yeah, pie, no question. And it, because they always try to get the night before, they try to slip in a couple of the older slices now, there. Now, is this vending yeah, but, machine by the slice or by the personal pie? Do we know? See, they didn't actually mention that, and they also didn't mention what the cost would be. I see. But you can select... Your crust, your sauce, your toppings. So I would imagine it is like a small personal pie. It still sounds gross to me. I, I don't think there's on, on in any circumstance I would ever eat this, no. except if I were maybe stumbling around the streets at two o'clock in the morning and there was nothing left but this pizza vending machine. Uh, that is that. Well, one of the things that people. I think bristled initially at but what is now ubiquitous, and I'm enjoying the fruits, these K-cup coffee machines, which are pretty simple. You know, you just pick whatever kind of coffee you want. You take a little pod, press a button, boom, your coffee is made. Uh, there's an interesting article on the Huffington Post exploring whether or not it's better to drink coffee in the morning or the afternoon. What's the consensus you, among the You experts? know, I was actually so disappointed by this story because at first I was like, great, I'm going to get some coffee advice. I am an avid coffee drinker. And it really comes down to the person and how they're affected by caffeine. Uh, and, and I mean, we already know this, though. Don't drink caffeine after a certain hour if it makes you jittery or wake, wakes you up. The only thing I found sort of odd about this coffee drinking fiasco was that they're saying if you are an average uh, – someone who tolerates caffeine, like on an average level – um, you know, drink coffee before you f need to feel alert, like a half hour ahead of time. I'm like, okay. But also, it says that you could stay alert for one to six hours. Have you ever had a cup of coffee that kept you alert for six straight hours? One it hour I can see, maybe an hour and a half. What a side of Coke. For <laughs> <laughs> Adderall, a little eight ball with the uh, yeah, coffee. Yeah, eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Tom is in Rockland County. Tom, you're on with Marlena Shivo and John McDonough. Hello. Hey Frank, how are you? Well, I'd say on a scale of one to ten, I'm about an eight. Okay. Well, listen, my uh, a couple things. I'm a produce distributor. Ooh. I work out at Hunts Point. And with those uh, food things outside, the taking up the lanes, it's almost an impossibility to make deliveries. You know, we deliver on 46th Street, Restaurant Row, and uh, the former Brazil Brazil is the only spot available to make. So everybody's fighting just to get over there to uh, get the one spot that's available. After 7 o'clock in the morning, they're giving tickets. 
So, you know, it's uh, it's a really, really unfortunate. And the restaurants are uh, happy because the unvaccinated go outside or people that choose to do also. And uh, it's free rent. But meanwhile, look, between that and the bicycle lanes and everything else, it's it's almost an impossibility. I was in the city yesterday on 12th Street, 3rd Avenue. We went to a restaurant, and uh, I, I'm in disbelief how many restaurants are out of business. So, you know, I, I have... I, I just don't think that these boots are, are making a big, you know, making these restaurants survive. All right. Well, thank you, Tom. The interesting thing about that call is Tom told Molly he wanted to talk about Ukraine. Imagine if uh, he said he wanted to talk about China or Iraq, where we would be. Uh, it, it was interesting, and uh, we'll continue with your calls in a moment at 800-848-9222. I am, you know, again, now that I had $100 or two, uh, I think it was $200, deducted from my account that I didn't expect yesterday. I am going to make an effort to take my cans and bottles to the grocer tomorrow and cash them all in and use the proceeds of those cans and bottle redemption to buy a bunch of scratch-off tickets in the hopes of winning a lot of money. The A gentleman in Massachusetts, a place where John McDonough spent a lot of time, actually stopped for ginger ale yeah. and won a million dollars in a scratch-off. Now, this is probably the best advertisement against Coca-Cola and Sprite there is. <laughs> I am just I don't know why these these stories always pop into my my feed. It, it they only aggravate me and I I really do like to do more uplifting stories and it's sure surely uplifting for this man who won the million dollars. But yeah, he gets thirsty, he pops into a convenience store, he gets a ginger ale, buys one scratch off ticket and wins a million dollars. He takes the lump sum of 600000 and I'm thinking to myself, why? Why can I just not get the one scratch off that this, you know, that these people keep getting? This is the third time I've been with Frank, <laughs> with you, Frank, and have talked about a story of people winning. Although we've had people who've had double the wins, right? Like yeah. $2 million on a scratch off, go back, get another scratch off, win another $2 million. It's like I can't even win $10 on a scratch What about you, uh, John? I, I, you I would rather like them that? do a story. Here's this schlub that he's going into the bodega for the 10,000th uh, time, bought the scratch off, and didn't win. Because well, he's in the majority. Well, exactly. Right. The, like, that, that's the story. This guy winning. It's not it, news it, if a dog bites man. Right, right. But the, it, it is such a losing proposition, these, these scratch-offs. I, I mean, all right, this guy won. And now, now everybody's rushing down to think, oh, I'm going to be like that guy. I'm going to get that scratch And then there's off. an app. There's an app that gives you an order of like <sighs> – so there's like some sort of algorithm that goes on with these – the printing of these tickets. And if you have this app, I do not have it. You can sort of go on and see where they are and you can sort of gauge whether or not you can get the winning ticket or you can get closer to it. I have had 20 like tickets at a time given to me as like, you know, in a birthday card or whatever yeah. or my stocking at Christmas, you know, not I mean, maybe two dollars, maybe wow. a free ticket. Yeah, and then you take the two dollars and buy more scratch. <laughs> I mean, it's just—I call it reinvesting. Yeah. I, I call it reinvesting. Yeah. Uh, and you know, look, ginger ale sales are through the roof since this story broke, which is great. Eight hundred eight four eight W ABC. Dave's in Bayonne. Hello there, Dave. Hello. Um, just before I get to my 
just before I get to my point, um, I wanted to say, uh, first of all, about the gas. I grew up in New York, and it was part of my childhood experience. To actually, uh, my my dad would let me uh, fill up the gas sometimes. So it was actually good for my childhood. Wonderful. But uh, I hate to hear what have hap- would have happened to you if you didn't get that experience. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, I wanted to say about the State of the Union. First of all, uh, President Biden. It, look. He he. First, he says like Big Pharma made billions of dollars, and uh, they didn't pay diamond taxes. Well, they only made billions of dollars because he made us. He made everyone get vaccinated. I feel like he was very tone deaf tonight, and I feel like if he would have apologized and said, you know, guys, I messed up, but I want to do better in the in the future, and we're going to open the the gas pipelines, and we're going to stop supporting Russian gas and all those things, then I would have actually been pro him, even though I'm I really was never rooting for him, but. I feel like America would be much closer together, and I would be pro him definitely, but he didn't do that. All right. Well, thank you, Dave. Now we know where Dave in Bayonne stands. Any reaction you to know, Dave? I, I just hope we get to a position now, we're a year into his presidency, that we can criticize Biden without being called a Trump supporter. Because when I did it when he first got in, oh, look what he's doing here. Oh, what are you, a Trump supporter? No. I think he's stupid, and I think he's doing something wrong. So I think we're finally getting into a position where we can criticize Biden without being accused of being a Trump supporter. So and I think that's good. And just think, if you um, don't want the if you don't want the vaccine, you're also somehow a uh, anti vaxxer and a Trumper. Like it goes hand yeah, in I, hand. It makes abs- I mean, it is the most illogical characterization by far. Robert is in Manhattan. Hello, Robert. Good. Good morning, Frank, and good morning, folks. I'm glad to hear Johnny McDonough on Frank's show. Mr. McDonough, you may remember, I'm the historian that is called you and Maliki when we've discussed matters Irish and Celtic. That's right. That's right. I do remember you. Yes, and you were the one that introduced me to All is Calm and the 1914 Christmas Truce. Anyway, I have a question. Um, There are people on the other radio station who are very offended when they refer to COVID as the China virus. Now, look, I am not anti-Chinese, but last time I looked, Wuhan was not in Myanmar. It was not on the island of Tonga. It wasn't in Jalisco. It's in China. Why shouldn't they refer to a virus where it comes from? And why should anybody be offended? Therefore, I don't know how Frank feels, but how do you two feel about simply calling it the China virus? Well, I, I know the New York Times had an article there recently, a, a correlation by calling it that and the attacks on the, the, the Chinese community. I, I wonder back in 1918 when it was the Spanish flu, where, where people, the, the Spanish population being attacked in, in 1918. I, I, I don't know. Because it is silly. I mean, to attack someone because it came out of that country is ridiculous. But there might be a cause and effect. I I, I don't know. Because something's going on within the Chinese community or the Asian community. Yeah. Well, and how much of a priority for that is people? For, is that for people, though? Do they really need to rename COVID the China virus? What do you really gain I, by calling it the China virus? I mean, it is what it is. 800-848-WABC. Tommy's in Brooklyn. Hello, Tommy. Hi, Frank. Hi, John. Hendra Marlena. Um, I'm a U.S. Army vet. I was stationed in Germany, too, John. Uh, where um, where in Germany? Uh, Babenhausen, right down from Schaffenberg. Yeah, I was in Würzburg. Yeah. Würzburg. Ich habe gut Anyway, with the, with the NATO war games, I, you know, it's, it's sad, but they're training. And unfortunately, sometimes people get hurt or yeah. even die. Mm-hmm. And it's tragic. But, it, but training is necessary for the force, readiness. 
And the U.S. military trains to win. That's all I got to say about that. And um, I wanted to say something about those burn pits too. When I was in Iraq, I was stationed. I went to. I was two, did two tours in Iraq, and um, I do have some issues with the with the burn pits. I was stationed near. I was my hooch was near two of them, and uh, I have some issues, breathing problems and stuff. But it could be from the smoking too. Who knows? Um, and I'll probably die before they find out how and why soldiers are sick from it. You know. But what about were there were there Iraqis nearby too that are getting sick? I mean, making it sound like only Americans were getting these diseases. No, I mean where I was, the burn pits were pretty far off. But you know, when the winds picked up, you know, I'm sure they were they were affected by it as well. I mean, they were pretty close to the base, and um, uh, they had the burn pit. I did a lot of you know a lot of outside traveling. You know, we were on outside the fob a lot. I did 96 missions out there, and uh, we always had to pass through. It was terrible. You know, who knows. The other thing is the vets. Twenty-two vets a day die of suicide, and I wear a wristband every day. My buddy gave it to me. You know, I had some issues about with PTSD and all that. I attempted a few times myself, but I I wear this as a reminder. You know, twenty-two vets a day kill themselves, and that's important. You know, I I want to check out your vets for peace. It sounds good. Yeah, Uh, Saturday, three o'clock, Times Square. Yeah, hang in there, Tommy. Thanks for calling. Thanks for your service. Hey, guys, you I appreciate you sharing that. And uh, again, I encourage people to uh, check out the Gold Shield at uh, thesimpletruth.us. That's thesimpletruth.us. Uh, John McDonough is here. Marlena Shivo is here. Before we run out of time, Marlena, there was another article that the uh, Huffington Post had of the three different types of perfectionism. Uh, what are the different types of perfectionism? <laughs> well, the first one is self-orientedism, which is uh, basically expecting um, the best from yourself, but apparently holding yourself to these imaginary high standards is nothing but disappointing, and you never seem to reach this perfectionism that you're striving for. The other one is other-oriented perfectionism, which is basically holding other people, mainly at work or school, to these standards that they don't even know about and then being disappointed over and over again um, by them not meeting your expectations And the last one is social prescribed perfectionist. Mm. And that is sort of like the keeping up with the Joneses syndrome a little bit. Um, You know, basically it's someone who believes um, others what you know, what others believe is your own perception of yourself. So it's basically worrying about what people think at a level that is completely unhealthy um, and judging yourself only through the eyes of other people. Do you fall into any of these categories? I don't think so. I mean, I don't think so. I no? mean, certainly not the first one. Um, I'm trying to think. No, I'm going to say no. I, I don't think. Uh, so you have no expectations of yourself? None. No expectations none. of your Zero. coworkers? Zero. None. <laughs> And Matt Blaze is thankful for that every day, believe me. And I know you definitely don't care what people think. I'm on the same page as you, but how about you, John? The only thing I would be perfection is is driving and going from A to B if someone didn't go the right way or didn't use Waze. I would say, listen, all you had to do was look or listen to 1010 wins for traffic. <laughs> you know, that, that that's the only thing. And the other thing I perfection, and I know we're running out of time, I didn't get to hear Frank do Tom from the Bronx talking to Tom from the Bronx. <laughs> because I would love for you to do a full hour of you 
imitating Tom, talking to Tom. We'll, we'll do that on the last show. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting together a lengthy list of things that I'm going to do on whenever our last show is. Because I, I, I think I have a feeling that whenever I did an hour of being Tom from the Bronx, <laughs> that would be our last show. So we're holding off on that one. Uh, John McDonough, it is always a treat having you here. Marlena Shivo, it's always a treat having you here. You can find uh, Marlena Shivo on all forms of social media at Marlena, M-A-R-L-A-I-N-A, S-C-H-I-A-V-O, like Terry Shivo. You can find uh, John McDonough at all forms of social media at Cab to Vest. If you want to uh, protest the war, you can show up Saturday afternoon. At with- 3 o'clock, Times Square, by Father Duffy, the he, statue. He was asked to MC. I was oh not. My God. Can't Wait win them all. you see the characters are going to turn up that thing. Uh, <laughs> until next hour, keep asking questions. Mm-hmm.